morning. It is a pleasure to be here with you this morning, and I want to express thanks to Pastor Michael for inviting me to be here, not only to preach, but to be a part of Blythe Baptism, and it is exciting to worship with you guys today, and I'm grateful to be here. I think it goes without saying that this has been a very unusual Advent season in what has been an incredibly unusual year, to say the least. Normally, this time of year, my calendar is full with all kinds of things, Christmas parties and movie nights and holiday baking. And while I'm still baking and watch some movies on my own, but not with others, it certainly hasn't been the same. And and given that there's just less happening these days, I thought that that would mean that this Christmas season would be more relaxing and less stressful than some of the hustle and bustle we normally experience in the month of December. But I'm not sure that's actually been as true because I can't speak for you, but I know for me that when I'm not sure what to get a family member or friend as a gift, I prefer, I've learned this year, walking through a store or a market and kind of looking at things and seeing what looks more exciting than just feeling like I'm endlessly scrolling through Amazon and other online shopping. I'm also getting increasingly anxious that all of the things I've ordered online are not going to arrive in time because the shipping has been so slow. And then when they do arrive, I'm still going to have to wrap everything. And I hate wrapping Christmas gifts. I like giving them, but I just don't enjoy the wrapping. And so what that's really left me with is that it looks like while different, this Christmas may not be any less stressful or frantic than normal. And if you add to that the grief of not being able to gather with friends and family, maybe not even to see certain people at all, and you have the longing for traditions or just other practices that may not come to be this year, I'm just not always sure I'm in the Christmas spirit this year. And and if you are feeling any of these things, whether it's stress or anxiety or longing or grief or just exhaustion... I hope you know that you are not alone. And I don't just mean you're not alone because you're not alone in this room, but also because I think all of these things are things that go back to the very first Christmas. I mean, let's talk about Mary and Joseph for a minute here. I mean, Joseph thinks that he has been betrayed by the person who's supposed to love him the most. Because in this time when Mary and Joseph would have been alive, an engagement was almost like being married but without living together. That once you entered an engagement contract, it was actually legally binding. So it was almost like being married. And so when Joseph learns that Mary is expecting, and there's only one conclusion, that she's cheated on him, he has to be absolutely devastated. And not only that, Joseph faces a moral dilemma that none of us are ever going to have to face because in that time period, a woman who was caught in adultery could be punished by being stoned to death. So even though Joseph was hurt and angry and betrayed, he also didn't want Mary to be killed. But if he doesn't do anything, if she's not punished, then his own reputation is at stake, which puts Joseph in an incredibly tough situation. 
And then we have Mary. And, I mean, she has to be anxious, too. I mean, even if she is totally confident in the angel, she's totally confident in God's promise, she's aware of what the punishment for adultery is. And how do you even tell Joseph, your fiancé, honey? And then there's this waiting to see what it is that he's going to do. What is he going to decide? And then you mix in her probably general anxiety about childbirth. I mean, and with far less medical care, will I even survive childbirth? Will I be a good mother? How do you parent God? And then there's the stigma of the whole thing. I mean, you know there had to be lots of disapproving and shaming looks in her future. That feeling when you walk into a room and you can tell that everybody's been talking about you. You can almost imagine, Holy Spirit, okay, Mary. And I would think after a while, this starts to take its toll on her. And so I want to keep you to keep all of those things in mind as we turn to our scripture for today. It's from the Gospel of Matthew. And Joseph at this point knows that Mary is pregnant and he has decided to divorce her quietly when an angel appears to him. So hear these words from Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 20. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So in this passage, we are given one of the common titles or other names for Jesus. It was in the last verse, verse 23. This word, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And this is a word we hear especially a lot in this time when we sing songs like, O come, O come, Emmanuel, that expresses our longing for God to be with us. Now I have some fun facts for you today. Um, the fun fact is that the word Emmanuel, the Greek word and the Hebrew word are actually the same. This doesn't happen super often, but in this case they are. Um, the only difference is that the Greek word usually spells it with an E, and in Hebrew it's spelled with an I. So a lot of times you'll see it different in the Old and New Testament. But this was originally a Hebrew word. It comes from the roots L, which means God, and M, which means with, so God with us. And we see this in scripture in the book of Isaiah when he prophesies about this child. And it says in Isaiah chapter 7, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. So clearly Matthew is referring back to Isaiah's prophecy but what is really interesting is that in this passage, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it's the only time the word Emmanuel appears in the entire New Testament. Nowhere else in scripture is Jesus referred to as Emmanuel in the New Testament, and yet this name and this title is central to our understanding of who Jesus is. 
I mean, really, it's what Christmas is all about, that God loved us too much to leave us in our sin and brokenness. And so God sent Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us to live and dwell among us. That's why we celebrate Christmas. It's part of the foundation of our faith that God came to be with us. And what we know from the stories is that God came to be with us in the middle of a mess. When Jesus is born, Israel is under Roman occupation, and it is not a happy time in Israel. Jesus is born to parents who Joseph at first thinks that he has been betrayed. And then even as he comes to believe Mary, to trust God and the angel, you know that they both have to be anxious. And that they probably only have a very small group of people who believe that any of this is true. And then in case that isn't enough, when Mary's 38 weeks pregnant, she and Joseph have to make the multi-day journey to Bethlehem on a donkey. I mean, it had to have been like the worst road trip ever. And then you can almost hear the conversation when they arrive. What do you mean your family doesn't have room for us to say? What do you mean you didn't book a room anywhere? And so Mary ends up giving birth in a barn, or probably more likely a cave, where the animals slept. Now, I wasn't there, but there had to have been an easier way for God to come and be with us. I mean, I'm confident that there had to have been someone else from the line of David, because this was important, that Jesus come from the line of David. Joseph was a descendant of King David. But there had to have been someone from the line of David who was already in Bethlehem, who wouldn't have had to make this long journey. Probably someone from the line of David who wasn't dirt poor. And they probably, this could have happened with a little bit less scandal. And so in choosing the most difficult way possible for God to come and be with us, God is demonstrating the totality of God's presence with us. That God is present and here with us in whatever circumstance, no matter what. It's like in this crazy, difficult arrival, God is crying out, I am really with you. I've come to be with you where you are right now. It's not contingent on you having accomplished the things that you want to accomplish. It's not contingent on you becoming the person you hope that you'll be. It's not contingent on life being great or you having it all figured out. Instead, God says, I am here right now in this moment, right where you are. Full disclosure this morning, uh, this sermon was actually one that I wrote and preached at my church last year in the season of Advent, and I just kind of reworked it for today. And yet as I went back through it, I have been struck by how many of us probably need this reminder even more this year than we would have last year. I mean, for many people, 2020 has been one of the worst years of their lives. And I don't really need to name the reasons, but it's obvious. I mean, the world we're in, this global pandemic, has interrupted and canceled all kinds of plans. There's been economic and social impact. 
job loss, isolation, illness, and death. And in case that isn't enough, we can throw in some protests this year and an incredibly divisive election, and it's just been a lot of fun. I know that in this year, I have needed, maybe more than ever, the reminder that Emmanuel, God, is with us. In moments when it's been easy to look around and ask God, where are you? I need this Advent season. I need to celebrate that Emmanuel has come and God is with us. But if I take a moment and stop to think, even just really in what's happened in the last week of my life, I can see and be reminded how God is with us through it all. Earlier this week, a man in my congregation that I serve died after a three-year battle with ALS. And if you've never known anyone to have ALS, it's just absolutely horrible to watch as it eats away at your body, but your mind remains intact and aware. And this man fought ALS for three years, and he remained faithful until the very end. It was an incredible inspiration to everyone who knew him. And, and the very last time I saw him a few weeks ago, he was confined to the bed, he couldn't move, but he had his wife bring out his Bible, and we flipped through it. And, and in it, there were all kind of notes and old sermon bulletins and ways that he had grown in faith over the years recorded in the pages of his Bible. And even though there was grief and tears in that moment, it was also so clear that Emmanuel, God, is with us. I think about some of the more fun things that I've done this past week. Looking at Christmas lights, baking Christmas cookies for new neighbors that have moved in on my street, wrapping gifts for loved ones and celebrating birthdays. In the joyous moments, it can be easy to remember that Emmanuel, God, is with us. Last Monday, we held a blue Christmas service at our church for those for whom it's been a hard season, and many of the people who came to that service were people who had lost family members or other loved ones this year. In some cases, they haven't even been able to have a funeral or a memorial service because of COVID. So we left an empty chair up in the front of the worship space to be symbolic of those who weren't going to be gathered around our tables this holiday season. We gave people the chance to pray and light candles. And we remembered that Emmanuel, God, is with us. And today, we're baptizing a baby. And in baptism, we are marked by God. In our baptism, we're given a new last name. Beloved child of God. And in the getting of that new last name, it's like God is declaring even in our name that Emmanuel, God, is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us, means that we are never alone. I find it somewhat ironic that for many, Christmas can be one of the loneliest times of the year. In the month of December, there are more divorces, there are more suicides than there are in any other month in the year. And I don't know the reason, but I wonder if it's in part because just kind of the forced merriment 
causes people to realize their unhappiness. So by the time Christmas arrives, we're just exhausted from pretending that we're okay. When the whole reason Jesus came in the first place is because we're not okay. We're not okay. We are marred by sin and brokenness and the pain and grief of our lives. And by coming in the middle of a mess, God is showing us that God is not afraid of our brokenness. Instead, God came to be with us in scandal and oppression, in anxiety and poverty by the most difficult means possible. Which means we can trust that God is with us through it all, even the year 2020. So whether this is the most joyful Christmas you've ever had, or you're dreading every minute of it, or you're somewhere in between, Emmanuel, Jesus, God is with us, is here, and God's not going anywhere. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, Emmanuel, God with us. Words can't encompass our gratitude that you loved us too much to leave us in our sin and brokenness. And instead, you came down in the middle of the messiness of our lives to be with us. God, especially when the mess may seem overwhelming, when the grief or pain of our lives seems more than we can bear. God, we pray that we would be reminded that we are not alone, that you are always with us. And God, as we continue in this Advent season, continue to prepare our hearts to celebrate that you have come and that you will come again. And all God's people said, amen.